Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. So I have a very weighty message that I feel some, I was thinking and I don't get to, I won't get to be here so often. I won't get to, you know, uh, preach on the stage or, you know, just even speak to you guys. So I should, uh, what would be, you know, something that's so, uh, the most intense thing I would want to leave with you because I'm going to get very, very little chances to speak. And uh, the Lord just dropped, uh, you know, this word into my heart. And I feel it is a mandate upon us as a family personally. And I think it is one for us as a church as well. So I want to talk about the second coming of Jesus. Okay? Yeah, I know that uh, it, is, it is heavy to listen to, but I really believe that this is one thing that can change the way we live. Right? And if we don't know enough about it, uh, we will be caught unaware. Right? And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like bad surprises. Right? I don't like surprises in general too much. I don't like to be caught off guard. Uh, but I definitely don't like bad surprises. Right? So if, you don't, if you're like me, you may want to know about the second coming of Jesus. Yeah? How many here are a little bit interested? This may just be reminders because you may know most of this. But I think it's good to be reminded. Yeah? So let's just get straight into it. Some facts about Christ's return. We say the whole, our whole hope and faith hinges upon this one truth that Jesus will come back. Amen? Our whole, you know, everything that we believe makes real sense only when we think he's coming back. When we see the wars and we see the trauma that people go through and we see the mess the world is in when we think Jesus is coming and he's going to reorganize this whole world and he's going to rule, he's going to reign. When we see unjust kings and kingdoms, it's good to remind ourselves the, the greatest king, he's coming back. Amen? And if we didn't have that hope, I think we'd, be, we'd have so little to really you know, stand on. So this is a very, very foundational truth in the scripture. So some facts about his coming. Number one, he will return. Okay? Now, we are all, you will be surprised to know the references of the second coming of Christ far outnumber the references to the first coming by eight is to one. There are eight times more scriptures about how he's going to return the second time. And if he did come for a fact historically in the, you know, 2000 years ago, how much more, how much more certain is his return? There are Scholars have identified 1,845 different references to the second coming of Christ. In the Old Testament, no less than 17 books mention Christ's return. In the New Testament, authors speak of it in 23 of the 27 books. Okay? Seven out of ten chapters in the Bible mention the second coming. That's big. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament teaches us that Jesus is coming back to the earth. Hallelujah. That's got to excite us. And that's what I want to see happen with the word today, that the fact that Jesus is coming back should cause us to be excited about it, right? Now, one of the earliest, we're looking, what is the earliest reference to his return? It's actually in the time of Genesis. Jude 
verses 14 and 15 tell us, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, okay, so that old, the seventh from Adam prophesied about the sea, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now this is way back in Genesis, okay? Even before the first coming of the Lord, the second coming was already talked about. Jesus himself said, I will return. John 14 verses 1 to 3. Right? We all know this really well. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. I will come again. Jesus has promised us that he will return. Okay, so number one truth I want to establish. There are so many scriptures that, that, that you know, attest the fact that Christ will return. So number one, Jesus is going to come back. Number two, he will return from heaven. Okay, at the first coming of Jesus, the scholars knew that he would come from Bethlehem. So they were looking, their eyes were on Bethlehem because they knew that was where the Messiah was supposed to come from. But the second time around, no one is looking to Bethlehem. Because his word declares that this time around, he's going to come from the skies. Acts chapter 1. So we're going to go through a lot of scriptures And if you have your Bibles, I recommend you turn to them. If not, our dear media team is still, you know, giving us the verses like as they come so you can read them. Acts 1 verses 9, 10, 11. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is Jesus' ascension. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. How's he going to come? Same way that he went, right? So he went up, he was received by a cloud, and he says he's going to come back the same way through the clouds from the heavens. So the second time around, we are not waiting for a baby to be born. We are looking for a savior and a king to return from the heavens. Amen? Thirdly, the whole world will witness Jesus' return. Matthew 24, verses 26 says, Wherefore, if they shall say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's not going to be obscure. It's not going to be something you may hear about in the newspaper. It's going to be an event that is so big and huge, the whole earth is going to experience it at the same time. Like lightning comes and you can't miss it, the coming of Jesus will be so visible 
To every eye, it says, Matthew 24, verses 30 to 31. Then will appear. Now, this is after the tribulation. Okay, so then, when is, you know, it talks about the tribulation in the verses before. The then will appear in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. His second coming will be public and seen by everyone. Another verse, Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8. Behold, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So this event of his return is going to be visible to the whole. I don't think it's going to be live streamed. I, I guess they probably won't have enough time to catch it on the stream. But it's going to be, you know, it, I know we can think that maybe that's how it's going to happen. But I don't think so. I think it's going to be somehow, some kind of a cosmic event that the whole earth is going to be able, every eye that is living on the earth is going to be experiencing it at the same time. So his coming will not be obscure. And trust me, if we are here, we won't miss it. But it says that the tribes of the earth are going to wail. There's going to be, it's not going to be a great time for everybody, this coming of the Lord. It's not going to be a great it's a joy and a celebration for everyone. Because a lot of people are going to be wailing and weeping when they see that sign. Fourthly, he is not going to come quietly. He will come with a huge sound of a trumpet. Okay? So I know all of this may sound like sci-fi to you, uh, but this is what God's word says. And we live and we are connected to another realm and dimension. The world, the word of God says, what you see is not as real as what you don't see. The visible world is under the power and control of an invisible world. Amen? So we don't live by the things we see. You know, if you know, there's, there's uh, info that the, you know, the U.S. government has caught lots of, you know, UFOs and, uh, you know, things like that have been coming out of the news. If you haven't, recently there was someone in their backyard that had, uh, that called the cops who saw something falling out of the sky and uh, they refused to send, send out any, any more information. So, you know, there's a lot out there that we don't understand. Our brains are not really capable of getting in everything. Amen. But God's word is eternal. It's been, it's, it stood the test of time. You know, so, so if he, his word says it, I strongly suggest that we take it seriously and we believe it. Amen. So his word says that he's going to come with a sound of a trumpet. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. You see the consistency of the accounts. Okay, you see the consistency of what everybody is talking about the second coming. From heaven with a shout, it says a voice, it says a cry of command, like a king, you know, when in these movies that you, you see, uh, the, the, the leader, the king will, you know, will shout, charge! And the whole, the whole army just like goes with him. That's how Jesus is gonna come. Now he's gonna come back with a loud shout. Because this is the time to take back the kingdom, take back his bride. So he's not going to come quietly on a little white horse. Yeah, That's not the Jesus that you see in the Bible. You see him with his, you know, there's a sword out of his mouth and he's coming fierce and powerful and great glory, right? So every eye will see him and every ear is going to hear 
the cry of command and says the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. You know, when Moses went up into the the mountain in the wilderness, you know, there was this sound of a trumpet that was increasing by the day. And the sound of the trumpet just kept getting, there is no trumpet, they can't see anything, they're in the middle of a desert, the mountain is on fire and this sound, this trumpet sound is getting louder and louder and louder. The sound of the king. When the king comes, they sound the trumpets. Yeah, it's, it's telling them the king is coming. The king is coming. You got to make room for the king. That's how they did it. And I think heaven still got, you know, it's trumpets and it's, you know, the, and I'm sure that they're big size. Yeah, just like the universe that he created. So the Lord is not going to come quietly. He's going to come. We're going to hear this, a sound of a trumpet out of nowhere. And he will descend with the voice of the archangel. Number five, no one knows when he will return. Matthew 24, 36 says, But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So nobody knows, though the Lord has given us so many prophetic signs that point towards his coming, the exact day and the hour, not even Jesus knows. So the father will probably, you know, tell him one day, son, it's time. You know, there is the heavenly clock, you know, that that ticks. It's the the kairos of God. God's, it says, appointed time. When the clock, you know, when it ticks, God says, time is up. You can go, bring your bride. Yeah. And then Jesus, I'm sure he's, he's waiting, right? Waiting for the father to say, son, you can go. So no one knows when he will return. And I'm glad that God has kept it a mystery. Amen? Because if he didn't, and if he told us he's going to come in 2035, 2023, we'd all be like, oh, lots of time to prepare, right? But he has, you know, because whenever he's coming, I only have one lifetime to prepare for him. I only have so long, and I don't even know how long that is. You know, it could be till tomorrow, it could be 10 years from now. But I, every one of you have only so long to prepare for his return. Whenever he's coming is immaterial. We have only one life which is very quickly gone to, pre- to prepare. So no one knows, number six, he will come suddenly. No one will expect it. It will accept those who are watching and waiting for it. Right? It's like I talked about surprises. Uh, if you're not, you know, like if it's your birthday and you are expecting, you know, to be surprised, that your antennas are up and everyone's acting weird and, you know, you know that something is going to happen or, yeah, they're just, you know, you just kind of not pay attention to all the weird things everyone is doing and planning because you are expecting, right? But if you're not, you may just miss all the signs. So those who are waiting for his return, who know the signs of his coming and who are preparing themselves, who have taken it seriously, will be the only ones that will be ready at his coming. Matthew 24, verses 37. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not till the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then it talks about this event called the rapture. So I'm not going into, you know, this, 
the the whole theological discourse which is still you know there is no conclusion is he, is jesus going to come before is the rapture going to happen before the tribulation or is the rapture going to happen in between the tribulation or after the tribulation but we know there will be tribulation there will be a rapture right it says two two men two in the field one will be taken they were in the field because they were doing business as usual they were doing their work as usual but yet one was ready and one wasn't two women grinding at the mill they were both doing the same thing but one was ready and one wasn't one was taken and one wasn't so the rapture is a real event that god's word talks about the tribulation is the real when when you know when hitler came in the second world war you know they all thought that this was it the anti he was the antichrist and the the world was going to end and you know the 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 holocaust and all of that the world was just so sure that this is it but it wasn't so then i wonder lord what is what is that tribulation going to be like and it says that the whole earth is going to be you know see such 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 trauma that it has not witnessed before and things are right if you look at the newspapers we look at the you know just the news it's just so terrible the things that human beings are growing to be capable of right you know the how you know how can how can these things happen you think but i'm just thinking that's what the word of god promises it's going to get worse and worse till he comes so church we need to we need to prepare amen so no one will know he will come suddenly and uh, so verse 43 but know this if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up if you knew that the thief comes at 3 a.m right you'd put the alarm for 2:45 and you'd wake up but we don't know therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man comes number 7 when he appears we will also appear with him close in chapter 3 verses 4 when christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory great hope amen if jesus is coming i will be with him if i have placed my trust in him if he is my lord when he of his appearing means i also appear in glory amen he's not just appearing for himself he promises to gather his church together so let's go into so now if we know that he will return from heaven with a great sound with you know visible to all the earth what will he do when he comes so he's coming and then what so let's look at a couple of verses that talk about what will happen when jesus comes hebrews chapter 9 verses 28 so christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him so he will come to complete the salvation that he has made for us right we know we were saved because of what he did on the cross we are continually working out our salvation today with fear and trembling but the completion of our salvation is when jesus returns so it says he will come to save completely from sin from this world those who are eagerly waiting for him okay so there's a condition there 
those who are longing those who are waiting for his return are those that he's going to save number 2 he will transform us not just save us but he will transform us to make us like him philippians 3 verses 20 and 21 but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior right from heaven the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself while wow. when he comes he will transform us you know how many of you no not to don't like your bodies it's okay he's going to get you a glorious body right i know there's sickness here there's you know there's pain here but this hope to know that he's going to transform my body give me a glorious body like his amen like his he he's go, he's calling us into you know as those that are he calls us his brethren right he's the first born and the resurrected body that he has he's like to all that believe in my name will have a glorious body like mine so he will come to save us he will come to transform us number 3 he will come to gather his church together first thessalonians 4 verses 16 and 17 the lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout yeah we saw that with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of god and the dead in christ shall rise first okay so the tombs will open the dead will rise up then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the lord he the whole church will be gathered up together on that day in that event of the return of Christ Jesus can you imagine it i hope i'm you know awakening your imaginations to see it because i want you to see it because when you see it you must live with it this must be the the thing that we keep before our eyes so that we prepare ourselves for that day so when we know what that day is going to be like right we will prepare ourselves towards it and when there is a there is you know we are vague about what's going to happen we will be casual about preparing for that day so it says the whole church with those who are dead if you you know we die before he returns we'll we'll go first okay and but if we are alive we will still be caught up in the air to meet the lord so the whole church it says the sea will give up its dead the land will give up its dead souls and spirits will all be gathered together the church will come together when he comes amen when he comes he will gather the church together number 4 when he comes he will bring to light things that are hidden first corinthians 4 verses 5 therefore judge nothing before the time until the lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts then shall every man have praise of god keeping things hidden and in darkness you know will work here but on that day he's going to pull the carpet off of a lot of stuff you know we if you sweep here we don't do carpets but you know if you have carpets and there's a lot of dust people can sweep it out of the carpet and hide it right so that nobody sees it whatever is hidden it says on the day that he comes it will all be exposed 
And he will make manifest the counsels of our hearts. You know, we can hide a lot of stuff here on this earth. But I strongly recommend that you bring the hidden things to God here so that you don't need to have it brought to light there. You don't need to have the carpet pulled off and all kinds of trash be found in our lives when he comes. Because he will bring hidden things to light. He is light. You know, the enemy works in darkness. He likes to keep everything secret. Keep it hidden. Don't tell anybody. Don't show anybody. Cover it up. They will reject you if you tell them. What will they think? What will he think or she think? And what are they going to say? Keep it covered. But Jesus is light. He says, come to the light. There's freedom when we walk in the light. It says, walk in the light as he is in the light. You can't fellowship with Jesus with darkness. Because he's so bright that you come close to him, everything gets exposed. So you might as well just go to him and say, Lord, I know you see it all anyway. I know you see the mess. I know you see that this is who I am. And I know you love me and accept me anyway, so I want to deal with it here. So when you come, I have nothing to be ashamed of. Amen? Deal with the darkness here. Deal with the things that you, you're struggling with. If there's things in your life that you've been covering up, take it to Jesus here. Amen? Today, prepare and say, you know, he gives such grace. The cross was not for us to live a, a defeated, uh, you know, life that is under sin and Satan. It was for us to live victoriously. So he, when he comes, he will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. He will make manifest the counsels of the heart. You know, it's so easy to hide the, what we can actually, what we actually goes on in our hearts and our minds, right? By a nice face and we've practiced our behavior and we know just what to say. But inside we can be thinking a whole, right? Another world or am I the only one that is capable of doing that? Right? Jesus says he makes manifest the counsels of the hearts. So know and remember that everything that goes on inside here, you know, will be out there for all to see. So, Deal with it. Take it to his presence here. Get rid of it here. So on that day when we stand before him, we stand with boldness. And he's made provision. Amen? He's made provision. He says, to, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, and is able to make a stand before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy and not with shame. He is able to make me stand on that day unashamed. I am not. I can't, we can't, we can't keep ourselves. We need his grace, but he is able. Amen. So we go to him, we say, Jesus, I want to I be bold on that day. I don't, want, I don't want anything, you know, to surprise me or the world around me that comes out. So he will bring to light the hidden things. Number five, he will destroy the lawless one. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end, bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The lawless one will be killed by the breath of his mouth. That's all it's going to take for the Lord to destroy the lawless one. And will be brought, all of Satan and his kingdom will be brought to nothing by the appearance of his coming. By just that event of Jesus' return, the lawless one is done with. Amen. He will come and destroy sin and Satan. 
Amen. We are happy. Yes, we should be. You know, we should be. It gives, you know, great hope to know that Christ is king. He, he will give number six to each one their reward. Revelation 22 verses 12. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. When he comes, he has a reward in his hand for everyone. He has a work for everyone. Amen? He has something entrusted to everyone in his body. And according to the work is the reward. The reward is for faithfulness. So he's coming, right, not just to gather us up, but also to reward us for how faithful we have been to him. So if the Lord's return is real, if the word of God has so much to say about it, how should we live and how should we prepare for his coming? Number one, Luke 21 verses 34 to 36, tells us to be watchful and to pray always. So it's so simple. You know, the God's word is, is all about little things. He's not telling you to go climb up the Everest, you know, stand upside down for 100 days. Simple. Watch and pray. Prayer, if it's hard, you know, for you, uh, it doesn't have to be. It's as easy as breathing in and out, right? Prayer is communion with God. It is just talking to God as Father. Jesus said, be watchful. How hard is it to watch? You know, we look, we see, but to watch, it's not so hard to watch and to pray. Luke 21, verses 34 to 36. It says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, or, okay, that's dissipation there, or basically, you know, the, a lifestyle or that loves, you know, always to uh, indulgence, let me say, you know, exploiting the world and, and just, just gone in the pleasures of the world, in drunkenness and cares of this life, anxieties, burdens, what's going to happen? You know, what am I going to do? How much money do I have? What's my job? My kids? All of that. Care. Don't make sure that you are not weighed down by pleasures, by drunkenness, by cares, by worries. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray always. So church, this is just a reminder. If you're not ready, if you're not there, if you're not preparing, I want to charge you, I want to remind you. Prepare. Watch and pray. Get the prayer altar back. You know, get those times with God back. Watch and pray that that day doesn't catch you off guard. Amen? The enemy is really smart. You know, he's really smart to distract us. Makes us think that everything else is important. You know, you can, you can pray later. You can read the word later. All these things are so important. Right? This is, this is essential and necessary. But he makes, he'll make you forget the main thing. Yeah? So guard yourselves. Number two, be faithful. Luke chapter 12 and verses 3 onwards. Let your loins be girded about and your lamps burning. Oh no, sorry, not verse 3. Verses 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and you yourselves like men 
that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Okay, they open immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he will gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. If he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. You know, Jesus gives two uh, successive, you know, parallels. First, he talks about a servant waiting for the master to come back, right? And he says, if the master comes, is late and comes in the second and third watch and the servant hasn't gone to sleep and is still waiting, even more blessed are those servants. Okay, so if you think it's late, Jesus should have come a thousand years ago, but you're still watching and waiting the second watch and the third watch and you know it's, you know, it's late, but you're still awake, you're still praying, you're still waiting. It says, blessed are those servants. And then it says, the, the, the good man of the house knew that when the thief would come. So the, either you're the master, or you're, or the, you're the servant and he's the master, or you're the master and he's the thief. If he's the master of the house, and you're in the house, and your attitude is that of a servant waiting for the master, you live differently. But it's the same house, the same you, if you're living as the master, he will come like a thief. So we decide how we're going to receive him. Are you going to receive him like a thief? Or are you going to receive him as master? That's going to decide, be decided by how we are living. If I live knowing that Jesus is Lord, amen, of my life, purchase me with his blood. This is no longer my own life, right? One day he will come, he will ask account of what I did with what he gave to me. I live differently. But if I live thinking, I'm the master, this is all mine, and I can do whatever I want with this life, uh, he will surprise us like a thief in the night. Amen? So he will come unexpected. You know, if we don't have the Lord's uh, return before us, we live differently. Like, you know, I, I was uh, talking about, on, even on Friday, the movie, right? Sound of Freedom, I think many of you have heard of it. Uh, I don't even know if I have the courage to watch that movie. Uh, but it, it is a movie that came out uh, uh, two weeks ago, I think, uh, on the 4th of July, about this man who uh, worked with Homeland Security in the U.S. He was involved, uh, for 12 years he was involved in rescuing, uh, in fighting terrorism, specifically rescuing trafficked children. And he came to a point where he was so involved in, you know, all of these uh, undercover operations of capturing, you know, pedophiles and rescuing hundreds of children, uh, somehow came to a point where the government uh, asks him to wind down the project and he can retire. So this is like three, four months where more he has the, he can retire with $12 million. But the thing was that the last mission, he rescued this little boy who actually gave him a, a little a chain with, uh, with the scripture actually, with, from Timothy. Okay, so this guy's name is Tim Ballard. So it had, you know, First Timothy or something on it. And he said, please go back and rescue my sister. So he gave this boy his word and then suddenly finds out that he has to wind down everything. So he's now confused what to do. Does he leave those kids 
and just retire and live a great life, you know, a home in the Bahamas and, you know, retirement and all of that. Uh, you know, it's a good life. So he calls up, yeah, the, the right thing to do, he called up his wife and asked her what to do. So, yeah, if you have a good, <laughs> a wise wife, uh, you know, it can save you a lot of trouble. She said, you quit your job and you get, go get those kids. You forget the job. She, they have six kids. She said, I don't care if we live in tents. But when I stand before my maker, I won't let you jeopardize my salvation. What are you going to tell God when you see him? That you went for $12 million and you left those kids there? He's like, she's like I'm not going to let you do that. You're going to quit. I don't care about millions of dollars. You're going to go back and get those kids. The, the aspect of eternity made them decide, right? Such a big decision, not just the million dollars. Six, over 6,000 children have been rescued just through their operation. And, and still counting. They're still at it. Can you imagine how eternity makes a difference in how you live? If that woman was not living with that thought of, one day I've got to stand before Jesus and give him an account, would change the way they live, right? They'd be in the Bahamas and those kids would be in torture and hell. How are we living? How does eternity, how does meeting Christ, how should meeting Christ change how you're living today, how we're living today? Is there, is there anything that, that you know, we want to be able to tell Jesus on that day that, Lord, I obeyed you fully. I didn't, you know, I didn't live the way I want. I didn't live like the master of my house, but I lived like a servant that was waiting and watching for you to return. So number two, be faithful. Yeah, be faithful to what God has always, you know, for us, as, for us as a family, I think meeting the Lord and giving account of, to him directs everything we do. You know, we're like, we have to give account to God. We have to give account to God for all of you as well. Now that's also scary. Yeah, I'm like, Lord, giving account for my own life is hard enough, you know, and I got to give account for your people as well, for how well we shepherded your sheep, can you imagine the pressure? <laughs> yeah? Why aren't they walking with me? Lord, I don't know. <laughs> Why did they backslide? Lord, we went after them. Yeah, so, so the, the thought of uh, meeting him, what will we tell him? What will he ask us? You know, that, that really drives a lot of what we do. And I pray that upon us as well. Young people, you know, you have your whole lives ahead of you. Live like the servant waiting for the master. Don't live like a master that's going to be caught with Jesus coming as a thief in the night. Number three, don't isolate, but help one another prepare. We all need help to get ready for that day. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Okay, not stir up one another to anger and provocation and bitterness or whatever. Stir each other up to love and to good works. Not neglecting them to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, so don't isolate. Because if you isolate yourself, you're not going to be ready. We need help. We need each other. You know, we need that care cell on Wednesday to tell us, keep walking with Jesus, keep forgiving, keep loving. We need that one, two, three discipler who, you know, is going to challenge you to walk with Jesus. All of that 
is preparing you for the day. It's keeping you for the day. So don't forsake the meeting together. Don't think I can do this on my own. That's, that's, a, that's a trap of the enemy. Don't think it's me and Jesus. He's all I need. I got my Bible. Yeah, and I got YouTube to teach me and train me. Yeah, that's not how the kingdom works. It says, don't forsake the meeting together. As is the habit of some, there were some in the church that day that gave up, you know, like today, so many give up fellowship, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Number four, be patient and wait for it. Don't get tired of waiting. James 5 verses 7, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. You can think it's not happening, it's not happening. We tire down, we chill, we're like, oh, it's a long way away, the enemy will distract us, we get into other stuff. But the word says, be patient till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. We are waiting for a harvest. Like the farmer looks at the ground and says, when it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I know this, I know I've planted the seed. The harvest will come. It doesn't give up. It says, church, be patient, but stay till the coming of the Lord. Number five, be self-controlled and sober-minded. First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Number six, let me quickly wind down. Abide in him. 1 John 2, 28. And now little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Amen. Stay in him so that when he comes, you're not going to be embarrassed and think, oh no, what did I do with my life? Why did I live the way I lived? Why did I, you know, why was I not intentional about my marriage? Why was I not careful with my children or my own life? Why did I follow the things I followed? Why didn't I pursue Jesus more? That we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I want the whole church to be bold on that day. You know, there was a season in my life where, you know, when we were praying for revival and we were praying for uh, you know, the church to grow and move people to come. Uh, and the Lord told me, I remember I was sitting there and he said, uh, don't think how many are coming here. Think when the trumpet sounds, how many will go up? And I thought, okay, Lord, how many will actually go? And then that became the burden of my heart. I said, Lord, even if the seats are empty, is okay, but those that are full must go. When the trumpet sounds, those that are here must go. There must be none that are left behind. Amen. That must be the burden of our heart that we, the church, will will be there with him at his coming and be bold at his coming. It says, uh, children, abide in him. Stay in him. Remain in him. He's the vine with the branches. If we pl- unplug from his presence, we, says we get withered and we're cast away into the fire. Stay in him. Remain in him. Stay in the word. Stay in his presence. Do everything you can to get back into God's presence. Don't be casual about the things of God. Purify yourselves. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Okay, so we are God's children now, but what we are going to be, we still actually don't know. But one thing we know, when he appears, we will be like him. 
Whatever he's going to be like, we're going to be like him. Now, I don't know what that is, you know, what, what glory that's going to be. But it doesn't matter as long as I know how Jesus is. It says we're going to be like him. And because we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, he purifies himself just as he is pure. If we have that hope, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus. That itself will keep you from sin. That itself will make you run from, you know, every addiction that you're struggling with. If you keep this hope, I've got to see Jesus. I've got to see Jesus. I've got to be like him. When I see him, I'll be like him. Because I'll see him the way he is. Trust me, you will be afraid to sin. It's when we forget that day and we forget that, you know, we stop imagining the moment that the enemy will bring in all of these things into our lives. Number seven, hold on to what you have. Revelation 3 verses 11. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Your crown can be seized by, I don't know, the devil probably. So you can get a crown and you can lose a crown. So he says, I gave you a crown, but you can lose it if you don't hold fast. If you don't hold on, if you hold on a bit and then say, ah, it's okay, it'll stay. And you don't even realize that your crown was snatched off or taken away. Jesus says, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Lord, is this is just a reminder, you know, I don't know when Jesus is coming. And I'm sure, you know, the, the prophets can only see and, you know, look at the signs and warn us and, guide, and tell us to guard ourselves and to prepare. But, but he will come. And I think that is what we need to know. He will come. And he will come soon. And the important thing is, Lord, I want to be ready. Not just now, but, you know, I think when I take my last breath, I should still be ready. Lord, keep me ready, right? On the last day, whenever that is, got to stay ready. If I don't stay ready today, I don't know if I'll stay ready tomorrow. Revelation 22, verses 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. When the Spirit and the Bride on the earth begin to call, Come, Lord Jesus. I believe before the end, before he returns, there will be a cry from the earth of this. Come, Lord Jesus. But we can never say come till we're ready. If we're not prepared, we will be too scared to say come. We'll say, Lord, stay, Lord Jesus, a little more. I need to watch this movie too. Okay. Or whatever. I don't know. Stay, Lord Jesus. Stay, stay, stay. Give me a little more time to prepare. But if we are ready, we will say, come, Lord Jesus. The world needs you, Lord Jesus. The world needs a good king. Amen. Needs a just king like Jesus. The world needs a gracious, benevolent ruler like him. Just rise up to our feet. The spirit and the bride say, come. If this morning, I know this is, this is just a reminder. This is probably nothing new in anything that I've shared. If I can just lay on your heart, just that, you know, if you've just gone out of the race a bit, if you've forgotten your your track, you were on track, but somewhere along the way, you got distracted from the race and you ran off the track and you've forgotten what you started running for, the Lord wants to bring you back. And say, keep your eyes 
Keep your eyes on the day of my coming. Keep your eyes. It says, let us run our race with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Holy Spirit, prepare us. Holy Spirit, Lord, we just invite you. We, Lord, we look for that day when you come. And if we are not ready, Lord, if our hearts are not ready, Spirit of God, I pray you search us. As a church, Lord, we want to we wanna allow you, Lord, to bring out every hidden thing, to manifest the counsels of our hearts, Lord. Lord, if there is anything that needs to be fixed, Lord, when we go to meet a king, how much would we prepare? We'd buy new clothes and new shoes and, you know, new perfume or, or whatever. You know, we'd go to the hairdresser and fix ourselves if we had an appointment with a king or with a ruler. We would never go shabby. We would never go unprepared. The king of kings and the Lord of lords has called us to meet with him face to face. Lord, let the bride be ready. Let the bride prepare. Let the bride prepare. Let the bride prepare. As a church, we want to repent, Lord, for distractions. We want to repent, Lord, for not living with that day before us. We want to repent, Lord, for setting so many other things, Lord, above, Lord, preparing for that day. For thinking it's a long, long way away. I have enough time. But Lord, this morning, we want to say, Lord, with the Spirit of God, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Can we lift our voices? Can we say that? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride. If we are the Bride, we will long for the Bridegroom. If we are the Bride, we will want to say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord, we need you, Lord. We need you to come. We need you to come in your time. Lord, we need you to come and establish your kingdom, your dominion, your rulership, Lord, here on the earth as it is in heaven. When you come, it will not be quiet. It will not be silent. It will not be obscure, Lord. It's going to be for every eye to see. Every ear will hear, Lord, the sound of your coming, the voice of the archangel. The boy, the cry of command of the king. You will come, Lord, with a mighty shout. Lord, we want to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Spirit and the bride say, Come. Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, come in your glory. Come in your glory. I believe all around the world that this cry is going to rise, going to increase in the coming days. Just like a John the Baptist ministry, it says, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be lifted up. Every rough ground will be made smooth and the crooked roads will be made straight before his coming. He's preparing the way. He's preparing the way in the heavenlies. 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 Hey balando rozoro bakabaze. Morazayande. Hey balando. Lord, we just pray. Lord, we pray. The bride, the bride will make herself ready. The bride will make herself ready. The 
bride will make herself ready to throw away everything that stands in the way. Oh, let it be a bride that is pure, a bride that is clothed in white. Throw away the sin that is holding you down, bride of Christ. You're preparing for a king who is pure and holy. Throw away the weight, throw away the anxiety, throw away the cares of this life, throw away the preoccupation with the world and its desires and its lust. Bride of Christ, you're the bride of Christ. You're pure and you're holy and you're clothed in white. Stay away from the filth of the world as you prepare to meet your bridegroom. The spirit and the bride, they come. The spirit and the bride, they come. Come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. That is going to be the cry of our hearts, come Lord Jesus. We're not going to be afraid to say it. And Lord, anytime we find ourselves afraid to say it, Lord, let us repent. Let us search our hearts. Let us, Lord, search. Why am I scared? Why am I not ready? I've got to fix it. Lord, but every other time, let us with boldness be able to say, Come, Lord Jesus. 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 Let that be the cry of the bride. I want to charge the church. I want to charge the church to live in the light of His coming. I believe some of you are going to take decisions that are going to change because decisions that will change the way you're living. The Lord is pressing on your heart to live because of His coming. Live in the light of His coming. Lord, I pray for grace and courage upon your saints. Oh, it is worth it, church. It is worth it to live for His coming. I thank you. And I pray your hand upon us. You will keep us till that day. I declare. I declare. We will be kept till that day. We will stand blameless before you at your coming. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.